Hey everyone, uh, sure I'm here with Fanyo to talk about UFC fight night, whatever. It's a good fight night, but I don't really remember the numbers anymore. Uh, but UFC fight night, Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett. We're not really going to talk about all the fights, and this is probably going to be a fairly truncated episode. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk about at least the main event and at least one other fight. So uh, Fanyo, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Um, I have some other stuff that I should be doing, but instead of doing those things, I've been watching fights. Uh, so I should be somewhat reasonably prepared for this one, ideally. Uh, but yeah, I uh, guess we'll get right into it. So I'll start with the main event, since I assume that's why people are here. Uh, if they are, this podcast is uh, its incredibly irregular, and I, I forgive anyone who thinks it was just canceled. Uh, but yeah, uh, Calvin Cater versus Josh Emmett, cool featherweight main event. I mean, probably, I mean, I'd say pretty clearly for the number three guy in the division after Max and Volk. Um, winner of this one, probably in line for a title shot. So, uh, I mean, there, there's Yagi Rodriguez, and I, I hate him, but he does exist, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, Fania, what are your initial reads on this one? Um, this is a very interesting fight. Uh, both big punchers, but in a, in a different way. Like Emmett is like the quick burst explosive guy, and Cater is like the, the long snappy puncher from distance. It should be very interesting. I mean, um, we've seen Emmett like struggle a little bit with, with the long ranking striker, even in fights that he won, for example, against Michael Johnson and against uh Burgos. And on the other on the other hand, uh we saw how Ige like complicated Cater a little bit in their fight. And we saw Emmett have a very close fight against Ige in a fight that both Ige and Emmett looked better than before. So, so yeah, I mean, this this is a very good fight. It's cool to have a good main event for a fight night for a change. So I'm pretty excited about this one. What do you think, Sriam? Yeah, uh, we're directly off uh, Vieira versus Home and Bulkov versus oh. Rosenstreich. So this, uh, so not, even if it ends in a round, it's a nice change of pace. Oh my god, stuff that <laughs> matters. I didn't remember it was that bad. Like, it's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> dark times. <laughs> Yeah, I think last year they sort of loaded up the spring with like Burgos Barboza and like all sorts of cool fights and like the uh, Usman Masvidal card in the summer was just awful. And this time it's like the opposite where the summer they have like a couple decent pay-per-views and like this event, but the spring was just terrible. Just the worst. It was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a cool fight. I kind of feel, so I guess we should start out kind of talking about each guy just because they both pretty interesting. Uh, so Calvin Cater, I'm incredibly biased in this fight. I will be picking him because he's very cool. Probably my favorite active fighter right now. Um, he is, um, it, it's weird to describe him at this point, just because the Giga Chikadze fight was sort of a inversion of a lot of the things that we saw from him in terms of flaws. Uh, but at his base, a very strong jabber, very strong at moving guys around with a jab to, uh, to hit them with the right hand when they're out of position. Um, strong defensively in terms of if you don't overload his high guard slash his long guard, he's incredible at adjusting it for one to two punch raids. And uh, if he has a weakness, it tends to be in his, uh, his footwork, his not really his distancing, but his footwork and his ring craft. But that is something that he's tried to mitigate moving into the Giga Chikazi fight, which honestly, I didn't expect Cater to struggle as badly as a lot of people did, but I didn't expect him to dominate that fight quite as hard as he did from the beginning. So a uh, very promising fight for someone as deep into their career as Cater is. Uh, but yeah, uh, that, that was very cool. Um, Josh Emmett, sort of a, as uh, Fanyo mentioned, this sort of bursty, um, 
power punchy dude, sort of like a Dan Henderson type, I guess. It's the weirdest way I could put it, but I think it's relatively true. Uh, likes his big right hands with the step-ins, not all that good a combination puncher and can be stranded at range. Uh, and the, the Dan Henderson co- comparison is also because of that shot he landed on Bektik right to finish it, like under the armpit. That, that's always what I've always thought of him in Dan Henderson terms after that one. Uh, but yeah, um, he is a little bit weirder to describe in that his process is not really all that obvious in a bunch of his fights, but he's clever. He knows how to set up the sort of single shot raves that he does with body work and shifts. So interesting fight. Um, I think it's a lot trickier for Emmett and then he needs to fight a fairly narrow fight. Um, he is sort of outmatched in longer pocket exchanges and he's outmatched in range. So it feels like he needs to redo the Ige fight for, like, he needs to redo Cater Ige being Ige. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's interesting but uh yeah well, what do you think happens if Emmett tries to play that game i think uh what ms should be looking for here is like ex- uh, starting exchanges in his own terms and he should have like anything between like two and four punches combinations he doesn't want to overwelcome his stay on the pocket because kadar clearly has more resources there but if and also Emmett like shines when he he goes in there with a like a pre-made combination. He, um he's a, a team of a male dude that is like post uh bank Ludwig time, but he's sorta in like that same mode. Like he, Yeah, the Burgos fight was that. Yeah, he's like he's like, okay, I'm I'm going to get this this angle and I'm going to go like two punches to the body and one to the head. And he he knows that before like even starting to exchange. And sometimes that, that can work great, especially because he's so quick, he's so powerful that the opponent is forced to react to that. Um, I think the the shifting combos are probably going to, to be very helpful for him, but he gotta be careful because um, Kader can catch you with a counter jab on entry and he has a lot of snap on that off, on that punch. I think... Uh, on contrast, Cater is it's good if they are put shot in at distance. I mean, Emmett is clearly dangerous uh, at distance because he can land like a huge overhand or a leaping left hook. But Cater is the more crafty guy at long distance, as you said. And and if Cater is the one deciding how the exchanges goes, he can he can make uh, the longer combinations work because you, we've seen Cater like throw like triple jab uh, on top, then like. Um, like touch you with the right hand, not very, not very hard right hand, then goes hard with the left hook and then finish with the right. So he makes those like more nuanced, uh, longer combinations. And I think that's where, where Emmett will have trouble because Emmett on first layer, pretty decent at moving his head and also the very quick with his feet. So if he gets a good read, like he just can just bail out or, or he can move his head and try to counter. But if Kader like extend the combinations, I don't think he has the depth to deal to deal with that. Yeah, uh, I'm in sort of a similar place. I think it's this is also kind of an interesting fight just because both of them have fought like a bunch of the same guys. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy how many mutual opponents they have. I feel like there hasn't been this sort of fight in a while, uh, and even more than mutual opponents, they've had similar like exactly the same results against like a bunch of them. They have the KO one against Lamas. They have the um, the win over Burgos, Emmett basically knocked him out in the third round too. Uh, they have the fight against Stevens, which is where it diverges, and they have the decision win against Danny Gay. So really, 
the only place where the opponents seemed markedly different in both of those was Danny Gay. He fought like totally different fights, like opposite fights yeah. in both of those fights. But if you look at, I think the, the best sort of parallel for Cater in this fight, weirdly, is Jeremy Stevens for, for Emmett. In that yeah. if you watch that fight, it was definitely the best, one of the better Jeremy Stevens. Both of them fought very good versions of the Jeremy Stevens. But when Stevens fought Josh Emmett, it was a pretty similar gambit, right? Emmett sort of walked around the outside, tried to burst in with singular shots and frustrate Stevens into pressuring badly. Stevens sort of fainted forward behind his lead hand tried to run him into kicks. Well, that's one thing that Cater doesn't do, like try to cut the cage off with kicks all that much. But Stevens fainted forward behind his lead hand, forced Emmett to keep reacting and countered in combination each time Emmett entered. Uh, so when Emmett entered with one, Stevens would immediately, you know, duck, throw the right hand, close the door. And the right hand would often miss, but closing the door, that was what knocked Emmett out in the end. It was Emmett leaving an exchange linearly and getting caught with this big sling yeah, left hook exactly. on the exit. But, and that's something that Cater does pretty consistently. I feel like we've very rarely seen him close the door consistently to the head. We always see him like throwing this really massive uh, winging left hook sometimes. But when he closes the door to the body, he does it really well all the time. Uh, he got a, he got Burgos with that. He got Chikazi with that a few times. I think he got uh, Zabit with that a couple times as well. Uh, but in general, I think that's where Emmett struggles. And I feel like that's why the fight here is kind of weirdly narrow for Josh Emmett in that at range, he's going to struggle, but when he enters, he can't stay there particularly long. Yeah. Uh, and even when it comes to putting together combinations, right? It's uh, Emmett's combinations. I think he suffers a lot from not really being able to throw away too many shots. Like occasionally he he faints in with the lead hand for throwing this massive right hand. But even his combinations, they tend to benefit a lot from guys just covering up and moving straight back, which is why he's able to just throw a right hand, load up individually on another left hook and load up individually on another right hand. Yeah. Uh, so he does that quite a bit. Uh, and I think that is where Calvin Cater probably finds a lot of success, even if he does get him high guarding. Um, if you look at Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater, Cater's high guard looked like Swiss cheese in that fight, but it was a lot of Cater adapting to the first two or three, four shots, and then Holloway just overloading him, overloading him, overloading him. Yeah, that's, uh, and that's I, a big difference because um, Max like uh, touches a lot in between combinations. He he uses, He's very clever with tempo and, and, and varying intensity, and that's one thing that Emmett does not have. Emmett does a good job of, of throwing com convincing feints at range, but once the combination starts, is everything at 100%. And I think that favors Cater in the sense that Cater is very good at, at covering up and seeing shots coming. And the thing that Max did uh, was like, uh, he wasn't sure like what, what, shots, uh, what shots I need to cover from and what shots like I just ignore. He just got to go like super hard at covering everything Emmett throws. And also Emmett is very constant with the tempo. He's like one, two, three. And that makes him easy, easier to time for a counter from from Cater's side. Right. Uh, I think even in like the Burgos fight, we saw a whole bunch of like right from the very beginning, there was Emmett throwing like the same one, two, three times, catching Burgos the first time and getting countered the other two times. So yeah. th there's some weird stuff with Emmett. I think that the trick for Cater in this fight, it tends to be, um, I'm kind of worried just because of how hard he pressured Giga Chikadze. But even that, it's interesting because I'm not sure how much I rate Emmett as a counterpuncher. Like he, he's very scary when he throws with you. He just doesn't really want to do that particularly often. Uh, when guys enter at range, he's completely fine just sort of skittering off at an angle and squaring up yeah. um, or just high guarding. And I feel like his high guard isn't quite as adaptive as Calvin Cater's. When, if Cater's able to draw it up, I feel like he probably has a field day. Um, it's just 
it's a weird fight because honestly, the biggest parallel on Cater's record for Emmett, and I'm not just saying this because of how they look, it almost feels like it's Chris Fishbowl. <laughs> yeah, my, there, there's some sense in there. Like. like there's just no one else all that remotely similar. I think the other one you could point to is Dan Ige, but also Ige is a ton less jabbable specifically in that fight. Yeah. Ige was really, really diligent about standing just far away that Cater would have to cover the distance with his feet and then countering him on the step-in, where Emmett, when guys have tried to jab him, he just sort of sits there and gets jabbed a whole lot of the time. And Also, like, Emmett kicks very hard, but he's not, like... Uh, Iggy, I would say, is a better kicker in the sense of setting up kicks and, and putting... and making them make sense in his game. Um, Emmett kicks uh, from distance. I mean, he's, he's not, it's not like he cannot kick. He has kicks, but... I don't think he ha it has like very good integration with his boxing. So I think that's another thing that he had going for him that Emmett will not. Uh, the wild card here is obviously going to be the wrestling. Cater uh, obviously very hard to take down. Back from his debut against uh, Philly, uh, very good technical defense. He fights grips very well. But I wonder if if like Emmett like just catches a very well timed blast double when they are exchanging. That might be different. Like that's that's a thing that we haven't seen Cater defend from a from a wrestler of this caliber. I'm not saying obviously that he's going to be taken down or be held down, but it's uh, that's like a new dimension that we haven't seen Cater uh, face in a long time. I mean, Philly has very good level changes, but he's also like very tall and he's like not nearly as explosive as as Josh Emmett is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what's kind of weird about Cater is he hasn't been shot on all that much, but every single time someone shot on him, he's he has like Romero hips. It's absolutely insane. Like I remember when Ige shot hits. on him. Yeah, like Ige shot on him and he just stopped. Like he, he couldn't get, he, he had a good shot. Nothing with the shots. I mean, yeah, he had a, some of the shots look pretty solid and nothing going. Um, yeah, like when he how, went for double did, legs, he just, go ahead. How, how did Sabit take? Uh, cater uh, down. Zabit basically didn't. Zabit got that, you know, that little the trip he does. He 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 got the trip, but then Cater just immediately like quad potted and fought the grip and got out. So it wasn't even a real takedown. Uh, at the end, Cater threw a big flying knee, landed. Oh, landed on he his ended back up like, too busy hitting him. Back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So no real takedowns for Zabit, which is reasonably impressive, I think. Zabit's not bad as a wrestler. Um, but a yeah, very honestly, different was, wrestler, though. But yeah. I think that's kind of the thing is like the most comparable uh, for Emmett in the wrestling is either fish gold or Ige. Someone's going to be short level change underneath the jabs. And really, I think the problem if Cater stays at neutral there is that he's incredibly diligent about staying in his stance when he's in neutral exchanges. Uh, really the only place you can catch him falling out is when he closes the door a bit too hard sometimes, but otherwise he's pretty much always in a really staggered, strong stance. And that means that when Ige shot underneath for the double, he just sort of like ran into Cater's lead hip and bounced off and Cater would just like fall on him. So, um, and even when he got the single, Cater's reactions were super good. He had like this gorgeous wizard at some point in like the second or third and uh, jumped over Ige's single leg trip at some point. Like it looked, it was really cool. Uh, but oh yeah, um, yeah, Cater for all accounts a very solid wrestler, especially defensively. So, and even offensively, I mean, we saw how, how he manhandled Giga early on on their fight. That's very yeah, impressive. And he got, like, yeah, he got like the wrist ride on Feely right at the end of the first and beat the shit out of him. So, uh, yeah, he's he's legit. So, so yeah, I mean, if someone is counting on like him at like just shooting a takedown and winning, like I 
I don't see that happening. But if Emmett can get some respect out of his hands, and maybe like Cater want to to get him back, and that's a thing that Cater can do. Like he he's he's a mean fighter, you know. Like he wants to hit you hard. So so maybe there are some openings there for for Emmett to to catch him with a surprising with the takedown. Uh, Emmett not very dangerous from top position, but he's very heavy, so he might be able to to hold him down and and sometimes like getting up if you if you are muscling your way up it can be taxing the cardio should be interesting here because like cater pace has looked amazing in in the five in the five round fights that he had like i was expecting him to gas first than Ige, and he was eager the one that got tired first emmet also like emmet like uh, oh, we haven't seen the five rounds but the cardio for for someone that fights like he does for his style it's insane very yeah. stupid like the third round against burgos like he was looking just like the first round, and he had like 17 injuries on his leg. So, so yeah, yeah, but but that was make the the fight so exciting. I mean, I think we we're both like le- uh, leaning pretty he- heavily into Cater, but but it's not that field day for him. Like he will have to work hard for this win, I think. And um, and obviously, it's like both guys, both both guys have the power to. To just meme the other guy if if, if they got the other guy sleeping. Yeah. So I mean we can we can talk all this analysis and maybe it's over like 15 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's both kind guys of the, hit so hard. Yeah, I think that's kind of the weird thing is that Emmett, like he looks like one of the biggest punchers like in the sport, but also it, it's interesting in that I'm not sure how his he's got super heavy hands, but how much heavier they are than Cater is kind of in questions because he's always throwing it hundred percent. He, he yeah. never, ever throws anything at less than 100%. So when he lands, he's pretty much going to knock you out. Or Cater, he, like, hurts people with singular jabs. So when Cater sits down on shit, I think it's really, really comparable. Um, but, yeah, I think it's kind of difficult because Emmett has to fight kind of a totally different fight to the one that we've seen him fight generally. Um his route here, it seems like it's frustrating Cater into overcommitting or, you know, pressuring like he was with Giga and countering him. But I'm genuinely not sure Emmett's much of a counterpuncher at all. Uh, his best no, work... No, I think Emmett's, Emmett's best work is on the lead. Um, yeah. He, he needs to work the body a lot, I think, Emmett, in this fight. And even then, like, Cater has, like, iron body. Like, <laughs> like we saw the shots he was... I mean, hurt... Uh, Mac- Max hurt him a lot to the body, but but never to the point of like making him took if he didn't even take a knee on the whole fight. So so like cater conditioning is like ridiculous level. You cannot take for granted that he's going to get hurt or he's going to get tired. Um, you just gotta count that he's going to be there for the whole fight, and you gotta fight smart the whole fight. And I think that's the that's the bigger barrier in front of of Josh Emmett is that he will probably have success and. He might even be able to hurt Cater, but Cater is so consistent. And and even when when he's not like a huge ad- adjustment guy, he just gets better as the fight went on. Like the reads get cleaner and and when he gets the timing and the pace going, he's so dangerous. Yeah, I think Cater's not much of a strategic adjuster. He's not gonna change the, the big picture thing he's doing. But if you give him the same exchange over and over, he's always going to kill you for that. Like there, there is no situation where he doesn't fuck you up for slipping the same way or like even reacting to the jab at all. 
if you're in a position where you're reacting to his jab, you're pretty much fucked already. Like that's pretty much that the way that Cater and Font win fights all the time. Um, and honestly, that's what was funny about like UFC 220 is we saw the same fight from Cater and uh, Font. You know, a guy who's really capable of slipping inside and out and eventually just got smoked by right hands for him. And the fight afterwards, you saw how to deal with that, which is just don't let them jab whatsoever. Uh, and with that dichotomy, I think Josh Emmett is definitely closer to the Burgos slash Almeida than uh, a Sunsour and Moicano in terms yeah, of sure. how he's going to deal with the jab. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the interesting thing is that even if Cater does go full Giga mode and starts pressuring the really powerful guy, it's tough to see Emmett finding too many openings, especially since even against Giga, Cater's defense was still pretty strong. Uh, there were a lot of points where he just sort of clowned on Giga in the pocket just by seeing everything coming, which is kind of crazy. And, you know, even just getting behind his shoulder on the jab, picking off the left hook with his rear hand, that sort of thing. He, he's very, very consistent at that. Um, which means if you can't work in longer exchanges and you can't work at range, it's going to take a ton of work for Emmett against someone who's both really capable on the counter and willing to hit the body to just go in, out, in, out, in, out for 25 minutes. It's yeah, tough. for sure. It's, I think, um, I think uh, fighters are very re reluctant to do this, but I think it would be a, a smart gamble for Emmett to, to at least start the first round, like super hard to see if, if he gets something going early. And if he, if he hurts get cater early, he might get a lead, but if he tries to like build up, like cater is just better than him at, at building up a fight. So uh, I think Emmett should like try to go very hard at first. If that doesn't work, like dial it down a little bit, but I think it's, it's worth a shot. Yeah, I think that's sort of the weird thing is that Emmett's always been like as good as he is, and he's a very good fighter. He's always been sort of moment dependent in every single one of his fights, like all of them. There has never been a fight where Emmett has been the sort of, well, maybe Felipe Arantes, but even that was just like a bunch of massive moments rather than consistency. Like that was the fight where I knocked the guy down like seven times, but against every single opponent he's had above Lamas, it's been, you know, killed him with one shot. Uh, nearly kill Stevens with one shot, kill Michael Johnson with one shot after losing most of the fight, um, kill Bekdich with one shot, and Bekdich was the one doing like a bunch of shitty one-two work. And I guess that's the parallel for Emmett here, but Cater and Bekdich's depth and durability are like yeah. ages, like they're like years apart. Um, then what you had Burgos, which even that came down to moments, right? Like I thought Burgos took both of the first two rounds, honestly. And um, Ige, which came down to a knockdown and like, it's weird. Like, every single comparison you have between Cater and, e Cater and Emmett and their mutual matchups, Cater's done it better, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, and if you look at where they diverged, it was pretty much just Stevens pretending to be Cater at some point. Like, not nearly as well, but that was the game that Cater plays. And uh, Emmett proved to be a little bit vulnerable to having to go in and out so often against someone who's able to enact patient pressure and punish him on exits. So, yeah, very interesting fight. Um, I think Emmett has a real shot just because it's he presents thin margins to everybody. But if there's anyone in the division who's almost as immune to getting hit by margins as Max Holloway, it's, it's Calvin Cater. So. Yeah, it's it's a very good fight. I mean, the I think the the pick is very clear, but I think we we're, we're both very interested in say how it play it plays out. Anyway, it's not a mismatch by any by any margin. So, so yeah, I mean, both picking Cater. Um, you think a finish or a decision? I'm leaning a bit on the decision side. I feel honestly, the, the last time Emmett had a fight that 
hard. I mean, I guess it was Burgos, but he took over Burgos. Stevens did end up finishing him. And I feel like generally the way that Emmett fights and the way he's going to have to fight here, I feel like he's going to be running into a lot of cater punches. Like if he fights yeah. a dumb fight, he's going to end up being out of position and getting cracked by like right hands and uppercuts. And if he fights a smart fight, it's either going to be Emmett hitting cater really, really hard or Emmett consistently giving cater entries to like intercept him with the right hand. I'm feeling finish, but I don't know. Emmett's super durable and he's got crazy yeah. heart. The Burgos very, fight, it's impossible. Very interesting to see how the, the cardio holds up over five rounds yeah. too. I hope and I, mean, I hope it's it's a bit long, the fight. I mean Yeah, Cater's also fine with coasting in this sort of fight, I feel like. Like with Ige, he didn't push. He he could have pushed harder, but he didn't. So it could easily be just Emmett being let off the hook once he's figured out, but who knows? So that'd be a dangerous game to play with Josh Emmett. Uh, yeah. I hope Peter does not do that. Yeah, I mean, but, it's it's uh, even though it sounds it sounds weird, it's safer for Cater to maintain like a high pace and and hit Emmett hard like constantly. Like you don't want him to get back into the fight if Cater is getting a lead. Yeah, like deceptively, it's almost a little bit similar to the Giga fight where Giga is much more threat at range. Emmett's more of a threat in the pocket, but he's a threat in the pocket because of what he does to get in there. He's not a threat in the pocket if you're the one able to consistently, you know, well, he is a threat, but he's not as much of a threat if you're the one consistently uh, dictating the terms of the engagement. But yeah, yeah, very cool fight. Um, I think we've sort of exhausted this one at least a little bit. So let's move on to um, the The other other really, really good fight. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there, there are a bunch of, decent fights on this card but the other really really good fight is between unranked lightweights uh it's Demiris Magulov versus Guram Katatsalazi uh Guram maybe off, the maybe the best unranked uh, lightweights I mean they are right yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure they're both unranked uh Gamrot's now ranked I believe Sarukin's now ranked I don't think either one's well Gamrot's definitely obviously close to Katatsalazi but I don't think either one no I think both slam dunk I think both over. Ga- Gambrot and Sarukin are are both ranked, so these guys are the best unranked fighters at lightweight. And even if Islam Mahachev were unranked, they'd still be the best unranked fighters, just so you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, this fight's super cool. I mean, honestly, I think Demiris Nagulov is uh, considering the way that Mahachev got into the top 15, he should probably already be there. But, uh, you know, the insane weakness against Mohamed Mustafaev and being out for two years every single time he gets a win, it sucks. But, uh, yeah, I rewatched um, Kutataladze versus Gamrot a little bit ago, and I feel like Demir might be a terrible matchup for him. I'm not completely sure it pans out that way, but I kind of feel like Gamrot had his most success playing off his lead hand, and Demir is better at that than most lightweights period yeah he's for sure better at it than gamrot i like gamrot a lot but but yeah Yeah, gamrot rules but he also played a lot of that fight from southpaw i think and that gave um garam a little bit of room to blast open side kicks damir is pretty kickable he he had some trouble with kicks both on the regional scene and with uh, joel alvarez but he's pretty decent at taking it away and i feel like we need to see garam against a wider slate of opponents to really trust him there yeah, yeah, I think the yeah, that's, I think Gan probably like committed the mistake of thinking like, I mean, he did like the things that that Kidilase wants in a fight. Like he kick he kicked with him a lot, and he went for takedowns a lot, and that's both things that that Guram is very okay with because he's great at 
just returning kicks because he kicks so fucking hard and and he's like insane scrambler. Um, yeah. Mogulov is a sneaky takedown artist. Like he has very good timing and the mechanics you know, on the shots are pretty solid. But I don't think he, unless the the shot is like very easy, I don't think he he would be like well advised to to wrestle here with Guram because Guram is like more physical than he is. Yeah. Um, if they stay at boxing range, I think uh, Guram is not lost there. He has good counters and. And he maintains a, a high pace, but I think like Ismagulov will work him with the jab and the one twos if they stay at, at boxing range. So it's interesting because uh Graham not want to like like put on heavy pressure. He likes pace, but he's not one to like constantly like cut off the octagon. So I think uh Damir is gonna dictate uh, the cage the cage craft act aspect of the fight. Yeah, honestly, it's weird because Demir, um, he, in M1, he was mostly a wrestler type dude. Like, he had a couple neat boxing performances against, like, uh, who was that guy? I wrote an article about him boxing. So it might have been, like, Raul Tutorelli or something, but he boxed up a couple guys. But for the most part, he just, like, wrestled guys really aggressively. But, yeah, I think here it's going to be a little bit tough, and I think that's the big problem for Demir moving forward, if there is one. It's just he's not – he's a good athlete. He's not a dynamic athlete. So, you know, if he's, he's not going to change fights with singular shots the way someone like, you know, Poirier or Gaethje or even Garam has the capability to, he, he pretty much needs to win an entire fight to win a fight. But I think, yeah, Garam's interesting in that his reactions under fire aren't awesome. Uh, there was a lot of like hunching down and uh, backing away straight against uh, Gamrot, have his more educated entries behind his lead hand. It's just that Demir being completely fine with sitting at range and not pressuring all that hard might come back to bite him a little bit. Uh, but yeah, this feels like a fight that's even-ish in the wrestling, but Garam probably needs a moment against the better lead handy fighter, which I feel like we just said that for Cater versus Ameth, but this is less dramatic. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Garam probably needs to hurt him badly, and I feel like Demir's going to build on stuff a little bit better as the fight goes on. It's also kind of weird, just because, as I said, we've seen Garam against one fighter in the UFC two years ago. I think that was like the Ortega Korean zombie card, so like right after COVID started, basically. Uh, and at this point, we've seen Demir against four reasonably different guys, and I feel like I trust his game to work a tiny bit better against, you know, different sorts of fighters at this point. Um, and yeah, honestly, I, I think Damir Damir goes into fights like with uh, he always like want to do the same thing, but he's very flexible about how he does that. Like we've seen him, like he can jab like taller opponents, no problem. He can jab shorter opponents. He can jab against pressure. He can jab on the outside. Um, he can like push forward with the jab too. You no, know, it's always about like establishing like the the boxing distance, making making the opponent whiff, and then connect with combinations on the counter. On also like finding the the reactive takedowns, he's very good at doing that in a lot of different situations. Uh, Guram, on the other hand, he he like can compete with everyone everywhere, but I don't think he has the process to take the fight where he wants. Um, and I think that's one thing that allowed him to look so good against uh, Gambrot is that Gambrot like gave him the things that he wanted. I don't think Damir is going to do the same. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting because even with Gamrot, Gamrot eventually took over later in the fight, if I remember correctly. Gamrot won three and maybe two. Uh, and it was mostly because Gamrot was able to put his threats together a little bit better, right? Play off the low single threat a little bit. Uh, yeah. Playing off the jab. And Demir is someone who does that all the time. Like, he, he does that for entire fights if you let him. He will just jab you. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one adjustment I mean, that 
one adjustment that Gamrock did was like, uh, instead of going like 100% on the single leg, uh, it was like, okay, this is not there. I'm going to just let it go and, and go with a combination with the hands. And Damir does that so good because uh, for Gamrock, that was an adaptation. For Damir, is that like the thing that he does on the regular? Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, I remember against uh, Joel Alvarez, uh, the, the really tall dude who's not very good, yeah. but like, okay. Um, Damir pretty much played him. now, I think. Yeah, he beat uh, Tiago Moises, and now he's just a thing. <laughs> I don't know if he's ranked. I think he lost to Armin after that, so yeah, whatever, think, but yeah. But still. <laughs> he was ranked for a second, I'm pretty sure, which is crazy. But yeah, and then entire fight, it was pretty much just Damir playing the uh, the body jab off the level change and just smacking him up with overhands. So uh, that was very cool. And that's the sort of thing that I think... Uh, Garam probably struggles a little bit with just because, I mean, it's hard to say that much about Garam, good or bad, after one fight two years ago, but he seems a little bit more reactive against non committal volume. And Demir is completely fine putting that together for an entire fight. His entire game is just non committal volume and then closing the door when he steps in with something hard. So he doesn't give you all that many opportunities. Uh, and even when it comes to kicking him, right, he's constantly like fainting into range, pulling his leg back, just he, he's fine letting you miss and not taking advantage. And uh, that might come back to bite him, but it seems trickier in a fight like this where Garam is uh, not the same sort of combination striker. Yeah. Another thing is that that might come into play in this fight is that, uh, if I remember correctly, like Gambrod was starting winning late and he was clearly more tired than Garam was. So, and we've seen Damir like gas a little bit on the third round a, a few times, but... So on one hand, like maybe Garam has like the gas tank advantage, especially if he pushes a high pace. But on the other hand, uh, that talks against his ability to adapt because even though he was the less tired fighter, he wasn't able to adapt against a, a opponent that was making good reads. So I think yeah. it plays in Damir's favor, um, most likely. Yeah, I mean, Garam absolutely fights like someone who should be gassing a lot faster. Like, he, he seems very tense <laughs> for the entire fight. And he's just, he stays that amount of tense for the entire fight, but somehow doesn't he, fade in at the all. Scrambles, the scrambles on the first round, I felt like, no way this guy's going to in space. Then when it was the third round, like, he was scrambling just as hard. Yeah, and he's, like, kicking crazy hard anytime someone, like, faints at him, but he just doesn't care. He just has to tank for it. So, honestly, both these fights that we've talked about, we're saying the same thing over and over. It's incredible. <laughs> but they're, like, totally different fights, but we're saying the same it's, stuff. But it's such but, a cool dynamic to make a fight, a fight yeah. out of. That's what makes both fights so interesting. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think that's kind of the thing. I think both, it's completely fine to pick the power guy. It's just a lot tougher when their route is a lot less distinct, uh, where, you know, well, you know what someone like Kader or Smogulov is going to do on every fight. And you know that they're probably going to last for the entire fight and they're going to win minutes. But against with someone like Emmett or Kutatalazi, maybe a little bit more with Emmett because we've seen him more. It's tougher to see exactly how they're going to take stuff off someone who fights this long and fights this consistently at range. But yeah, very cool fights. I love both these fights. Uh, Demir, I mean, moving forward, I feel like Kutatalazi, for as much as we've said, probably one of the harder opponents Demir is going to end up facing. Uh, yeah. Just because at lightweight, it's one of those guys who you're not going to find that many people who are that difficult to wrestle. Like if Demir fought Poirier today, I'd expect him to have some top time, even in a loss. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, like, like it's interesting, but, but it's cool that we we're going to get to see Demir against like 
someone that is both a good athlete, but that has a decent depth of, of skill. Because Damir has faced a few athletes, but they weren't on, on his level at all when it came to, to skills. So this should give us like good answers for, for whoever wins this fight. Um, yeah, they'll probably end up fighting like Moicano or something, which is cool, but not, neither of these people has ever. Yeah, I mean, winner, winner, winner of this one like deserves to be ranked so, like super, super bad. Um, the thing that, that has Damir in, in like trouble is that the big problem is that he was like inactive and then he pulled out a fight, then he missed weight and had to pull out the weight fight much. again. So yeah. I think that. I think the UFC is counting on him losing this fight most likely. So if 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 Guram wins, he probably gets like a ranked fighter. If Damir wins, like he probably like yeah fights Moicano or something. The the UFC might do him dirty here. Yeah, I mean honestly, it sucks I wouldn't be surprised. Bad. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if like either one got just got the Mustafaev booking again. I do <laughs> want to see Mustafaev back though. Mustafaev rules. Mustafaev is very good. Yeah. Honestly, Mustafa versus Guram would be kind of crazy. It'd just be two guys kicking each other through the open side as hard as they who possibly has, can for 15 minutes. Who was Mustafa supposed to fight the last time? He was supposed to fight Demir. That, that's who uh, Demir oh, was fighting against. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah. yeah. that didn't happen. That fight was so cool, too. Yeah. It's just like, it's it's exactly the same as this one and exactly the same as Katie Remen. It's some guy who hits super hard against someone who might just jab him over and over. But uh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else on this card that you find particularly interesting? Um, I mean, not to talk about on on any kind of length, but uh, Janius versus Kelly should be very interesting. Um, let's go, Janius. <laughs> yeah, of course. Janus rules. I like Janus a lot. Um, what else is here? Like, we're there's not a... talking about Cody Stamen versus Eddie <laughs> There's Cowboy Cerrone's retirement fight against the legend Joe Lozon, but. I'm not that interested in either of these, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, on... I mean, at, at least they are fighting like someone like that is old and shot. <laughs> so, so this yeah. is like, I'm I'm okay with this kind of match matchmaking for the old guys. I rather see this than than they getting killed by someone young. Um, well, I mean, it depends on who. I, I'm fine with cowboy getting killed I mean, by I, young people all yeah. day. Lozon, though, I like this book in far. <laughs> I mean, Lozon looks like a decent guy, but he he's also like super anti-union, so. I mean, if, if I he mean, gets kicked in the head here, like, <laughs> I won't be too sad either. Nevertheless, I will ignore that and still root for Joe Lozon. <laughs> He's getting kicked in the head, I'm pretty sure. Probably, probably. I mean, maybe, maybe Joe's just smart enough to come out, go ham, you know, rely on neither guy having I mean, cardio and, anymore. And Lawson, Lawson has hands on the early going of a fight, so if he goes, like, ham out of the gate, he might win this. Yeah, just Diego Sanchez or something. That'd be, that'd be that kind of rule. I'm not going to lie. that fuck. Yeah, yeah, that finished <laughs> so good. Uh, this fight, actually, this fight, like, five years ago wouldn't be so good. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be like, totally on board huge, with it. I'm not a huge fan of either guy, but both guys are very good fighters. Um, not so yeah. much right now that they are old, but but you can't deny. I mean, I hate on Cowboy a lot, but at, at his prime, he was a solid ass fighter. He was. You yeah. gave you gave you gave Cowboy anyone that wasn't top tier, and he was fucking murdered in those guys. <laughs> Even like Macdesi, Jesus, yeah, like, like he fucked up Macdesi. <laughs> Yeah, McDessie is one of those weird situations where, like, 
I think came in on like two days notice or some shit, but either way, he was fucked in that fight. Cowboy was like three times his size and would kick him a bunch. Yeah. <laughs> McDessie never fighting at, at featherweight. So weird. Yeah, honestly, McDessie versus someone like, I mean, even Josh Hammond or Calvin Cater, that would, that would rule. But yeah, I mean, on his, on his prime, especially. Yeah, I mean, now yeah. he's, I mean, Bahamanda's fight sort of tells me that he can still beat like massive featherweights, but they have to be kind of bad. <laughs> so. Yeah, he looked pretty good in that fight, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't see much of anything else. And this is not the podcast to go over Yuri Prohaska, nah. Glover, Teixeira, and a washing machine. So I think we're, we're pretty much done with this one. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, everybody. Thank you, Fenya, for uh, joining me. This was fun. Oh, thanks. And, uh, thanks to you, man. Yeah. So I'll, we'll see everyone later. Thank you.